This is the uh, this is the second day of Christmas, and uh, I for one have not yet received two turtle doves. Um, to be truthful, I'm not really expecting three uh, French hens tomorrow. Not exactly sure what I'd do with four uh, four what what's four to four calling birds. Um, at Christmas, we remember uh, the great gift, uh, the birth of Jesus, the Word made flesh, God with us. And uh, next Sunday, we'll hear the story of the Magi, the wise men from the East, coming with their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And of course, in the season, we give gifts, um, and we receive gifts. Uh, yesterday, Molly and I got the gifts of uh, snowshoes, which we may be using yet still today in our front yard. We'll see. This morning, I've asked three people to uh, talk about... Um, about the best gifts that they've given or that they've received. Um, and even though this is church, I told them they didn't have to be too spiritual about their answer because we believe that the gifts of God, uh, love and beauty and joy and hope and peace, those gifts come sometimes in very surprising places and sometimes in surprising ways. And so uh, we're gonna begin with Lisa Fritzke who recorded a video and then Fred Opold and finally uh, TK. And this is a story about my favorite Christmas gift, the bike. When I was 10 years old, I won $200 in a contest and bought an expensive new bike. At that time, none of my things were expensive and most of my things were not new. I wore hand-me-downs for my best friend, Julie, and I rode an old bike from my babysitter, Amy. My parents never bought me expensive gifts. Santa never brought me expensive gifts either. For example, one Christmas morning, he left me a used record player covered in worn tweed with a price tag from Goodwill still affixed to its back, $2. So an expensive new bike was a big deal. It was magical. I special ordered it, brown because brown was my mom's favorite color, women twin varsity 10 speed. It came with all the bells and whistles, shiny chrome fenders, a carrying rack, an odometer, and most importantly, a front headlight. I was set. I rode that bike everywhere with memories of its purchase like packages strapped in the carrying rack. 20 years later, my new husband, Mark, suggested I ride this very same bike to work. I think because he figured no one would mess with an old brown women twin varsity 10 speed. Every day I rode across the railroad tracks to the better side of San Jose and every evening I returned home and parked my bike behind the gate in the backyard. And then it was gone. Our neighbor, a burly Ford mechanic who roamed our streets at night when he couldn't sleep, clacking his nunchucks, told me he heard the gate unlatch that day, but figured it was I. It never occurred to him that someone would risk going into a backyard for an old brown women's varsity 10 speed. It hit me hard losing my bike, even though its glory years were long gone. After all, the fact that I ever owned an expensive new bike was so unlikely, a charmed experience. I could have guessed it wasn't for forever, that the bike might disappear in a puff of dust once the spell was broken. One Christmas morning several years and one move to Portland later, after our two little girls opened their not expensive but new gifts from Santa, Mark handed me a card that read, in the garage. Mark spent a lot of time putzing in the garage. He still does. And mostly I stayed out of there, but not that Christmas. I stepped into the bay and I saw it. 
My brown, because brown was my mom's favorite color. Women's Schwinn Varsity 10 speed with all the bells and whistles. Shiny chrome fenders, a carrying rack, an odometer. Wait, Mark, where's its light? Mark gave me a look. He carefully explained how he found the bike at Goodwill for $2 and fixed it up for me. You know it's not the same bike, Lisa. Oh, of course, I said. No way could it be my bike. It's not my old bike. I walked around the brown women's Schwinn Varsity 10-speed with all the bells and whistles and then stopped, completely disoriented. But where's its light? Mark only shook his head, unsure about my hold on reality, hoping it didn't really matter in that moment, watching memories wash over me like waves. When I mentioned to Mark that I planned to share this story, I learned that he had bought a light for that bike at a garage sale a few summers ago for $3. In fact, I think he's in the garage installing it now. So I'm set. And that's it. One Christmas, Mark gave me an old brown Women's Schwinn Varsity 10 speed that he bought at Goodwill for $2. I have no idea how to weave in or pull out a spiritual message, but at least now you know why I consider it my favorite Christmas gift. I want to share a hidden or at least an unknown gift given to me about 75 years ago. My mother didn't have a ticket to attend the annual presentation of the Messiah. However, she was very determined to hear it. Not hearing the Messiah for mother that year was really not an option. And so mother took me along to that long afternoon dress rehearsal. The orchestra played and the soloist performed without end. And that afternoon I thought was probably the beginning of eternity. There were however two saving features that afternoon. One and perhaps the most significant was the lady in the bright red shiny dress that sat on the stage facing us. And two, mother and I sat on the balcony, the first row, just the two of us. From there, I could see the orchestra and the stage and the lady in the red dress. Only rows of empty chairs were between that lady and our first row in the balcony. Oh, except that large void between the two of us. Several years passed, and I remember hearing the melody, some of the melodies from the Messiah. They were familiar. Yeah, and I saw that red dress all over again. And I proudly announced that I knew some of the songs from the Messiah. After all, we had it on the new FM radio and on 33s. And I suppose 
it was a way of letting people know that I was musically literate. In my 20s, I began to give serious thought to some of the lyrics of the Messiah. What was this all about? This Lamb of God that was despised and rejected and acquainted with sorrow and grief. How did all this have anything to do with the King of Glory or the King of Kings? When I was 35, a hide-and-seek preschooler named Rebecca and a baby in arms named Stephen preoccupied our household. And it seemed that they occupied not only our days, but as I remember, many of our nights. Little time was given to serious thinking, although the music was still great, but often heard simply as background music. Now at 80 plus, I think that there seems to be more time to wait and to listen. My initial thoughts are not of the red dress, full of sequins that glittered without imagination. No, and it wasn't of that long, huge void. It was from something else. Instead, the Mennonite, excuse me, my shorthand of TM, meaning <laughs> the Messiah, is heard with a sense of awe and wonder. A mighty God, a king of glory, coming to humankind and living among us. Hallelujah, amen. Thank you, Mother, for giving me that dreadfully long afternoon at the dress rehearsal. And thank you for the opportunity to share this brief story with you. The real content of what I saw and remember started from the balcony and that red dress. As of this season, I've now experienced 60 Christmases. There have been many gifts and memories, but what I did, gave, or got, when or where, somehow blur together at this point. I admit 2020 was a standout. Lisa Hughes hosted three other PMCers on Christmas Day in her garage with all the doors open. She had sleeping bags to sit in and floor mats to try to keep the cold from penetrating our feet. We didn't even have dinner together, but she'd cooked. So when we parted, we had to-go containers of yummy food to take home. <clears throat> the other year that stands out that actually first came to mind when I considered what to share with you is 2004. 
Unusually that year, I got my annual letter out early to try to avert receiving holiday greetings to both me and Camilla. Let me read you the letter's little rhyme at the top. So here's my <clears throat> Christmas letter from 2004. TK, TK, chocolate eater, had a wife and couldn't keep her. Their conversations went to hell and there they madly tripped and fell. So you wonder what in the world was best about such a Christmas. Well, <clears throat> I think the only time during my 26 years with TriMet, I got to travel back to Chicago was that, that Christmas. Both brothers and their young children also converged on my mom and Tom's apartment. At night, bodies took over floor space in every room except the bathroom and kitchen. During the day, we enjoyed delicious food and games. I saw the Black Nativity and art at various venues around town. With a borrowed car, I visited friends in the area as well. The season was at times heartbreaking and sad, but I became so poignantly aware of all those who still loved and accepted me, imperfections and all. Surrounded by some great traditions, being with family grounded me. Back home, I had new roommates. Maybe you've heard of Bert Kalinske. And I was busy with the Sanctuary Remodel Committee, wondering how to best configure what I was gonna say is these pews that you're sitting in, but I guess that's irrelevant today. All of you who were around then were also part of my re-emerging from a painful divorce. And with all of you now, I'm grateful for the opportunities we have to lovingly share in this community following Jesus. This season, this year, I've really appreciated hearing from our ministers, the perspectives of various characters in Jesus' birth story. They share the same components of my own dramas. Then and now, sadness, frustrations, difficult challenges, and gracious, reassuring love. Surely God's down-to-earth human experience and thus deep understanding of us is one of the best gifts we can celebrate at Christmas time.